With Capella University's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Summarize with AI in a click. Writer's block. Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show on the Choose Yourself Network. Today on the James Altucher Show. My happiness and my quality of life is much more important than cashing out some money on a business. I, I didn't care anymore. I wanted to be happy again. But, you know, most people wouldn't have the confidence to say, okay, I'm also going to do something I never did before, which is travel around the world. And at the same time, I'll be able to m- make a living. Americans don't understand how insanely expensive it is to live in the U.S., I did the math on this. I'm kind of depressed listening to this. So why, do, uh, give me another excuse. Why don't people do this? I mean, I'm getting ready. To, um, I, I feel like packing myself right now. So what if you could completely throw out all of your possessions and go completely off the grid, travel around, Let's find out how to do it, who did it, how you can do it, no matter what your position in life is, no matter how much money you have, how you can get started. This is the ultimate digital nomad minimalist, Bobby Casey. Welcome to the show. Hey, James. Thanks for having me. So, Bobby, I remember reading. I remember reading once when you 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 decided you were sick of it all. This was like a whole bunch of years ago. You threw everything out. You sold your your home, and you and your wife uh, picked up and and just started traveling around the world with no with no home and no no goal in mind or anything. Yeah, that that's true. I it's kind of kind of long backstory. I won't give give you all of it now, but. Basically, around 2007, I, I kind of realized that I was sick of my business. And it, I mean, it, you know, I, I hate to say it, but whatever. I hated my customers. I hated my employees. I hated my job. I hated my business. I, I get said, it. You, you know, know, customers are hard. P- people don't realize with entrepreneurship, it's not, in, in general, you're not like hanging out with your friends. <laughs> like, customers are hard. Right. Partners are hard. Like, everything's difficult in a business. Well, I, I mean, it, it just, I came to a point, I said around 2007, I said, I, I'm, I'm tired of this crap, really. I'm, I'm ready to do something different. I traveled the world a bit at that point, just like visiting places, but never, never like living as a, a, a local. And so I sold my business and went through a whole long process selling the house, the cars. I had a motor home. I got James, I had 27 motorcycles. You had 27, 27. motorcycles? I had 27 motorcycles. It was kind of funny. Like I started thinking, you know, I, I probably ought to sell my motorcycles and 
somebody asked me, how many motorcycles do you have? I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing like 12, 15. And I walked out into my garage and like pulled the covers off of a bunch of them and counted them. And I was like, holy cow, I've got 27. Mo- how did this happen? You know? So but- <laughs> wait, how much did you clear from selling all the motorcycles? I, honestly, I don't know. But I, at the end, I could tell you this. I don't remember. I sold ridiculous amounts. But at the end, like when I was ready to just like close the doors and throw away the key, I was giving, I gave away, I think five or six motorcycles. I just had buddies. I'm like, Hey, do you like that one? Huh. Yeah. Just come get it. You can have it, man. I had one of my buddies. Uh, I wish, like, I, wish I knew you then. Sort of friend. <laughs> I had some, one of my buddies who he's kind of sort of a friend who said, how about I buy that thing from you on a payment plan? I'm like, dude, just come get it. He goes, I'll pay you over, uh, you know, a year. And he, he made one payment, never, never paid me again. But I'm like, oh, whatever. I had to get rid of it anyway. Whatever. So, <laughs> so, so you sold all these things. You And you, most people, okay, so most people would think uh, when they get sick of, a, of running a business, oh, no, I have to get a job. What made you think um, you can sell all your belongings and go on the road forever? <laughs> Like, weren't you, weren't you scared that eventually you'd run out of money and, and you know, you'd come back and you were out of the job market for all these years and, and you'd be lost? Well, I, I've never had the mentality to get a job to begin with. I haven't had a job since I was 19. So, I, I mean, I've always hustled, self-employed, solopreneur, investor, something or other. I mean, I, I don't know. For, for me, the mindset is never... I need ma- I need money. Let me go ask somebody else to pay me money for something, you know, in a job setting. I've always just worked for myself in some way or another. So when you but, when you sold the business though, did you sell it for a? And this was right, like right before the financial crisis. Did you sell it for enough that you could travel all around, or you know, was it just sort of kind of to get you started? Oh no, no, no. It was it was more of a fire sale. <laughs> But you, but you had confidence in yourself. I had confidence in myself. I got some money out of it. I, I cashed out some money, but if I would have sold two years earlier, it would have been, you know, a heck of a lot more money. It just, and I was already doing some consulting in my field. I, I do now. I was doing some consulting with some friends and some other like people I knew that were entrepreneurs, and so I. I you know, I had a little bit of money from investments. I sold the business, but honestly, I'm telling you, I was at the point I told you before I hated my customers. I hated my employees. I I reached the point where I said, I I don't care if I sell this thing or not. If I have to, I'm just going to go lock the door and walk away because my, my happiness and my quality of life is much more important than, than, you know, cashing out some money on a business. I, I didn't care anymore. I just wanted I wanted to be happy again. But, you know, most people wouldn't have the confidence to say, okay, I'm, not only am I going to, sh- you know, shut the door and throw away the key, but I'm also going to do something I never did before, which is have no home and, and kind of just travel around the world. And at the same time, I'll be able to make a living, make enough money to, to, to pay the bills, particularly when the, the financial crisis was just uh, beginning and probably you know, it was hard to, to make money. How, where, where do you find yeah. that confidence? I, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm, uh, let's say over, overly confident. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm overly confident or arrogant in a way, but 
I, I just knew I would work. I would work it out. I would make some money. I mean, I listen. I I bought a one-way plane ticket to actually my well. It's kind of a kind of a funny story, but my oldest son, who now is seventeen, but at the time was uh, I believe nine. How many kids did you have? Me and, I have three kids. I have now. My daughter is twenty. She's a rapper living in London. My uh, and my two boys are seventeen and nine. But at the time, my oldest son, who was nine, him and I got a one-way ticket to Prague, and this was in two thousand nine. And and uh, we we decided to move to Estonia. Like I, I had met a friend of mine who had lived in Estonia. And they said, oh, it's a cool place. You'll like it. I speak some Russian. I thought, oh, that'll be cool to live in Eastern Europe. I can practice speaking Russian. So we, I mean, my, at the time, my wife, my daughter, and my youngest had a one-way ticket to, to Estonia. And my, uh, my oldest son, we bought a one-way ticket to Prague, or I bought a one-way ticket for us to Prague. We went and we just backpacked around. We, I, I didn't even know how from Prague we were going to get to Estonia. We just Basically, we took a train down to Brno in Czech Republic, went to a motorcycle race, MotoGP race. Then we took a train up to Warsaw, spent a few days there. Um, we took a bus from there to, where was it, Vilnius in Lithuania, spent a few days. We ended up in Riga, which is where I live now, or where my home base is, let's say. And then we just kind of took a couple weeks, worked our way up. but. Essentially, we we moved on a one one way journey to Estonia. After I mean, we'd never been there. We'd never and and ever since then, you've been all you've basically lived all over the world, right? Yeah, I've lived I've lived there, Estonia. I've lived in Latvia. I've lived in um, where else? Italy, Panama, Colombia, Belize. Um, I got it. Uh, I I can't remember. And you've tried, you, you, and you've traveled all over in between as well. It's not like when it's not like you buy a house and move all your furniture to Belize. You just kind of go from country to country. Yeah, James, I, I travel with a carry on and a and a small backpack. That's it. I, I, I mean, even when I moved to Estonia, I, I moved with a carry on and a small backpack. So this <laughs> this this brings to to, to mind. A hundred different questions. So let me, if you don't mind, I'm just gonna just ask you questions, and and then we'll see where it goes. Let's do it. So, so okay. financial crisis. You, you had just started out, and you know the reason I ask about this is anybody can can take off and say, oh, I'll I'll do some consulting. But when when the shit hits the fan, so to speak, it's hard to make money. So what did you do for for money? Let's say from 2008 to 2010, when when pockets were tight, wallets were tight. Well, I, I had some. I had some investments, um, not enough to live on for sure. But I had some investments. I uh, I, I got into well when the markets crashed. I started. I started trading options. Also, um, I mean, let's see. Two thousand. My God, my memory's not so good. When when the market crashed, and it was two thousand eight, right? Was yeah, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Yeah. Yeah, when the market crashed in 2008, I, I kind of, I can't say I foresaw it. I just thought, you know, it was getting a little bit risky. So I put all my money in treasury bonds, all my investment money in treasury bonds. And of course, what happened when the market crashed to treasury bonds, they took off. So I was like, wow, you know, I, I was in the most boring investment ever and it took off. So that did fairly well. Once the market crashed, I saw 
I saw craziness in the market, like Goldman Sachs selling for $50 a share. You know, I mean, what was it? Bank of America went to a dollar a share, stuff like that. So I started selling naked puts at the time mm-hmm. on like some really big, well-known like blue chip companies. I was just selling naked puts and, you know, three and six month expiration. And I, I basically, they never got put to me or most of it. I mean, obviously some did, but for the most part, I managed my risk pretty well. Most of it didn't get put to me. So I made money selling, buying and selling options during that time. I did some consulting. What kind of consulting? But I do, uh, I do asset protection and, and business consulting, business structure consulting on how to structure your small business, like where you register your company, how you can minimize taxes and minimize risk and stuff like that. I mean, that's basically what I still do now. And so, 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 uh, your kids, what were they doing? Like you, you took three kids out of school. Um, how most people would say, Oh, well, I have to wait till my kids graduate school. What were you doing about them? Uh, I put them in local school, put them in, in Estonia. We put them in local Estonian school. You know, it's kind of funny. I was literally, my son and I were walking through the center square in a city called Tartu. Tartu um, in Estonia, it's the second biggest city there, which is not saying much. It's still a small town in U.S. terms. But walking through the square and this woman overheard me and my son speaking English. And she said, oh, you guys are American. I said, yeah, yeah, you're American too, I guess. She goes, yeah. She said, do you live here? I said, yeah, we just moved here like a couple days ago. She said, what are you doing for your kids, like in school? I said, I have no idea. (laughs) She said, "Uh, well, I have a son that's the same age as your son here. She said, we found this really good school up the hill. You know, Tartu's got some hills around the center of the city. She said, there's a meeting tonight at the school for, you know, foreigners who want to put their kid in the school. I said, okay, cool. So we just, I mean, that. I think my, my view is you figure it out as you go. I mean, like I said, maybe that's an arrogant response, but I mean, we literally just moved there. I didn't even have a place. I hadn't even looked at the property market to see if I was going to rent a house or an apartment or whatever. My son and I just showed up and I found uh, a couple of real estate agents to show some apartments. And I ended up literally, we looked at apartments for like a week, couldn't find anything we liked. We stayed in um in a hotel and I found an apartment for us to rent the day uh, my wife and the other two kids showed up. We didn't even have – we literally checked into the new apartment I had rented, dropped our bags, and took a taxi to the airport to pick them up. We didn't even unpack our bags before they got there. So so when when you move, though, from country to country, do you pull all the kids out of the one local school and then go into the other? Does that affect them socially? Like do they say – Dad, I, I was just making friends. Now you're moving me to the other side of the world? Or what What do they say? Well, you know, my, um, well, we moved to, moved to uh, Latvia. After Estonia, we actually moved back to the States for a brief period because I still had some stuff. Before we moved to Estonia, I had sold a bunch of my stuff, but not everything. And we still had a house and a couple of cars and some stuff. We moved back for a few months from Estonia to the U.S. and said, okay, we got to get rid of everything. This is crazy. There's no reason to have a house and all this other stuff here. So we moved back to the U.S. That was when I felt like I had an eBay and a Craigslist job for a while. Hmm. 
you know, I mean, I, I was literally just taking pictures of stuff in the garage, putting it on eBay. I mean, I was spending a few hours a day doing eBay and Craigslist stuff. Because I had, a, like I said, I had at one point I had 27 motorcycles, five cars, a motor home. Oh, my gosh. Know? I mean, I had all kinds of stuff. But, but, but uh, moved yeah. back to the States and got rid of everything. Yeah. And then, and then your kids, do they, again, when they go from country to country, are they in different schools in each country or how, how did you kind of educate right. them all the way through? So what, what, what we did at that point, of course, back in the States, they just went back to the U S school for a little mm-hmm. while. We moved, uh, moved to, uh, Latvia and they all just went to Latvian school at that point. And then my daughter, her last two years of high school, um, that's when she really got into music. So she was writing music and performing and doing, she was actually doing some small events. And so um, she actually did an online, uh, like an online school for expat kids. It's, uh, what's it called? Um, uh, I forget the name of it now. I- IVLA, International Virtual Learning Academy, yeah. IVLA. I think it's IVLA.org maybe, but there, there's a bunch of online online schools for that. But she did that, and then my two boys were in local school. So. And was she able to make friends also though? Because like, part of school, I imagine, growing up is uh, uh, the social aspect. Yeah, no, she had no problem making friends. I mean, that's her personality type. So, and I think that, 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 you know, that is an interesting point because my, my oldest son, he's much more introverted than my daughter. And so he needs the, the, the kind of a forced environment for social activity. Whereas my daughter, she, she would, she would find it. I mean, if she lived in the middle of the woods, she'd have friends in, in a day. But when you were like in, uh, Belize or Anguilla or wherever, uh, how did your boy, was he based mostly in Latvia then? Uh, or what did you do? Well, yeah. So I, I, uh, my wife and I actually, uh, split up about three and a half years ago. So most of my extra travels or extra places I've lived have been in the past three and a half years. And if you don't mind my asking, did you guys split up in part because of the lifestyle was was getting difficult, or how, did the lifestyle affect the relationship? No, it it didn't. It, you know, I I don't want to get into the personal reasons mm-hmm. on my divorce, but um, I, I can tell you without a doubt, the the lifestyle itself really had no no bearing on on the the demise <laughs> let's say of the relationship so so you know I, ultimately we just grew apart so some people would also say look i it, it's easy for this guy to say he sold like 27 motorcycles or whatever he he had some money i can't probably can't just pick up and and travel around the world and make ends meet what what would you say to someone like that you know honestly i I think I mentioned to you before, I've heard a couple of different reasons, excuses, rationales, whatever you want to call it, behind why not to do it. Now, like, for example, like you said, well, I can't travel. I can't I can't go live in a foreign country because of my kids. You know, my kids, I'll do it after my kids graduate high school or I can't do it because, I, you know, I don't have the money to do it or something like that. Honestly, I think those are all excuses people make to justify their own current choices. 
people say, well, I, I can't move abroad because of my kids. Well, my, my view was I want my kids to experience the world, experience different cultures and different languages. So my view is I need to do it because of my kids. You know, I, I need my kids to have, you know, right. this this different experience. I, I want them to see more than just a very small geographic area where they go to high school and they, you know, go bowling on the weekends or something like that. You know, I need them to experience more. So I, I've kind of framed it a little bit different. I, not that I can't do it because of my kids is I need to do it because of my kids. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I mean, and look at your, your daughter as like a global citizen, you know, being a, a rapper in London now. Yeah. Well, my, my kid my kids are actually dual citizens also because um, on their their mom on their mom's side they they had uh, Italian ancestry and through some of my connections we were able to reclaim their Italian citizenship. So all my kids are now dual citizens, which probably wouldn't have happened if we hadn't taken this lifestyle because I wouldn't have met the person who could help facilitate that. Um, so my daughter wouldn't be living in London now, you know, all, all these things. So, 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 okay. So, so one of the excuses might be, well, I need to make my salary and pay my mortgage and, and make ends meet and, and so on. Sure. <clears throat> yeah. That's, that's an interesting one too. And I get this a lot. I have a lot of digital nomad clients and I have a lot of clients who want to be digital nomads and the money issue of course, it's it's a it's a real situation. I mean, we all want to live indoors and eat, right? I mean, we need we have some, you know, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We have our own we have our own needs we have to do. But what people don't understand is how, it, it, at least if we're talking about Americans, and we could talk about some other you know developed countries as well, but. If you're talking about Americans, Americans don't understand how insanely expensive it is to live in the U.S. I did the math on this, and it's funny. I just went to lunch with an old friend of mine yesterday, and we discussed healthcare costs. I estimate I save fifteen thousand dollars a year by not living in the U.S. just in healthcare costs. Just in healthcare. Is that because, like, um, like, like what, 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 co- what co- would have cost you fifteen thousand dollars this past year? Well, for well, for one, I would as an American living in the U.S. You you know under the Affordable Care Act, you have to be insured or you have to pay the penalty, right? And I'm forty forty two. I'm in good health, but I would estimate I'd pay six seven hundred bucks a month at least, maybe eight hundred bucks a month for health insurance for you know decent health insurance. You could get it cheaper, I guess, but it would be terrible health insurance. Um, and then if you go to the doctor a couple of times, you have co-pays and all that stuff. So you go to the dentist a couple of times, you go for a checkup once or twice. I estimate that would cost me 12 to 15 grand if I lived in the States. Living <coughs> living where I do, I don't have health insurance in the U.S. I don't need it. I pay, I pay for catastrophic health insurance in Latvia because as a resident of – I'm a legal resident in Latvia – my health insurance cost in Latvia, you, you won't believe this, but I pay $42 a year for a 10,000 euro deductible plan. A year. And, and catastrophic, $42. for like if you're hit by a car, catastrophic, you're, you're confident the insurance company would take care of you? Anything over 10,000 euros. 
Mm. I pay up to 10,000 euros. Anything over 10,000 is covered. Anything, including if I wanted to be airlifted to Johns Hopkins in the U.S., it would cover 100% of my airlifting back to Johns Hopkins. And what, what is, know, for example, if that's what I wanted. What does catastrophic health insurance cost? I, I pay $42 a year. Oh, I see. So that's total. That's all in. For, for a year, $42. It's 38 euros, which is about $42 a year. And beyond that, like if I go to the dentist, it costs me 20 euros for, you know, a checkup and a cleaning. If I go, I had a root canal about a year or so ago. It cost me 300 euros. In the U.S., it costs, what, $1,500 now to get a root canal? At least, yeah. Um, you know, I, a couple of years ago, I had a chest infection and I was too sick to leave the house. I called my doctor. She came to my house and brought with her two rounds of antibiotics, did the checkup at house with two rounds of antibiotics. Total was 80 euros. Wow. Total. Like 90 bucks. So, so right? what are, what, so, so someone who's making a hundred thousand in the U S now you've got them down to 85,000. Let's, let's bring them lower. Okay. Well, also as a, if you, and I'm talking to Americans here. I'm, I'm sure the, the majority of your audience is probably American, so we'll focus on that. You have um, what's called the foreign earned income exclusion. If you qualify for the foreign earned income exclusion, and basically if you live abroad, I don't want to get into the details on how to qualify for it, but you know, it, we can go through that process if you want. It's a little more complicated. But if you qualify for the foreign earned income exclusion, your first $100,000 um, you don't pay tax on. And then you get uh, a housing allowance, depending on where you live, uh, it, and it averages around $50,000 a year. So you can make about $150,000 tax-free as an American living abroad. So so, so, so that's amazing. So you so basically – oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, so if you're an American, you make hundred grand a year. I'm saying gross. Like your gross paycheck is hundred. You're probably netting – what do you think? 60? Yeah, 60 tops. Yeah. Yeah, let's let's go with sixty. So right off the bat, you you have an equivalent. You need to earn an equivalent income abroad of sixty to have the same living in the U.S. as a hundred. That's one one thing. Then you have the healthcare costs. You can knock ten or fifteen off from that because of the the difference in the the cost. And then when you consider cost of living, there's a website called Numbio. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. N u m b e o dot com. You can do a cost of living comparison between cities on Numbio, but if you compare, I don't know, let's say, let's use Budapest, Hungary, for example. If you compare Budapest, Hungary to, let's say, New York City, the cost of living in Budapest is probably, I'm going to guess, 50% or even less than that of New York. I would guess even less. So, but okay, it, so now it you... Might, it might be less, yeah. Now you just took me from, we, we've worked our way from 100000 to twenty two thousand five hundred, because of the, approximately, yeah. So to have so, an equivalent quality of life, yeah. Right. So basically, you could go to Budapest if you if you have d skills that translate over, you know, a mobile platform like consulting or website design or uh, Photoshop design or writing or whatever. Instead of making hundred thousand, you could live, uh, you know, in, in any of these you know, probably many different countries for. Less than $25,000 is essentially what you're saying. Correct. Yeah. And Budapest is just one example. You know, I could rattle off a bunch of places. It, you, don't, you don't like Eastern Europe? 
you know, try Lisbon, Portugal, in, you know, in the south. Nice weather year-round. Ridiculously low cost of living in Lisbon. You know, or Malaga, Spain is also a very low cost of living place to live right on the, right on the coast of the Mediterranean. What about, uh, what, what are some good places in South America? Um, my, my all-time favorite place in South America is Medellin. That's what Medellin. I keep hearing is that's the new place and it's all Americans there now, apparently. If you're in the Poblado area of town, um, yeah. I mean, you and I have a, a, a good mutual friend who's been living down in Medellin for a couple of years. I'm, I'm sure you probably yes. know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he's one of the ones a couple of years ago that convinced me to come check out Medellin. And I love it. I last year I spent um, I don't know a month and a half or close to two months in Medellin. So so major city. What's the cost of get let's say a two bedroom two bath apartment rent per month? Well, uh, our our mutual friend has a ridiculous apartment. It's a three level penthouse apartment with a rooftop jacuzzi. In the nice, one of the nicest buildings in the city, in the nicest part of town, he's got an underground parking garage, a gym in his building, a pool, and he pays. I think he told me he pays eighteen hundred U.S. a month. But that that apartment is like, oh my god, that's something you might see Will Smith in in Miami, though. Like that's his apartment's crazy. I, I love his place, but like a normal two bedroom place, you can easily find three four hundred bucks. 500 bucks a month. So, I mean, you can't even compare that to New York City. There's there's nothing, there's no comparison. That's like a fraction of what New York City would cost. Um, you couldn't I'm, get a broom closet in New York for $500 a I'm month. I'm kind of depressed <laughs> listening to this. So, so, so why, do, uh, give me another excuse. Why don't people do this? I mean, I'm getting ready to, um, I, I feel like packing myself right now. Well, I'm honestly... Medellin is a is an excellent place. I I would highly advise it. You know, I think the reason people don't do it is is fear of the unknown. I mean, why don't we do anything? Why why do people stay in the same job for 10, 15, 20 years? It's fear of the unknown, right? Lack of confidence maybe, fear of uh, you know, not being able to provide or you know. Oh. Bobby, I think I just lost you. Bobby? Are you still there? Should I, should I hang up and call him? Let's stop to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Yes, it's totally true. Airbnb has changed my life. If anything, they have made my life so much better. Like I used to live in Airbnbs. I, I lived in over 100 or 200 different Airbnbs over a three-year period and I loved it. I love, I became a really good guest of Airbnbs and I got to know lots of hosts. So when I initially owned a house, I, of course, the first thing I thought was I'm going to turn my house into an Airbnb because I travel a lot. So why leave my house unused when I can make a side income by letting others Airbnb my house or come to stay in my house as guests and Having my own Airbnb or, or being a host for Airbnb has allowed me to do just that. And I've met other hosts. I've actually spoken at Airbnb's host conference. I think it was in 2017. I met so many just nice hosts. It's a great community. And 
I love, you know, turning my own home into an Airbnb. Like I'm traveling to Austin next month. My home's going to be an Airbnb while I'm away and I'll stay in an Airbnb. I'd rather stay in like a three-story house Airbnb than in one tiny hotel room in, in the middle of Austin during South by Southwest. So listen, while you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Many people host on Airbnb, but there are people who are just letting their house sit empty, who've never thought about it or didn't realize their space could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, then you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Daylight savings time is starting up again. Okay, podcast is over. That's all you needed to know. But why do we have uh, daylight savings time? Answer, to give us more daylight from March through November. By setting your clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day that initial, when we initially start daylight savings. But if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There's only one way to do that, ZipRecruiter. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100-plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. This is such a brilliant idea for a business, and ZipRecruiter did it. So ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. I've used ZipRecruiter particularly as a potential employee, and I still, to this day, get messages every day. James Aldercher, would you like to apply to be VP of entertainment at NBC or whatever. So there's just nonstop emails. Like I got five or six emails today because of because a year ago I signed up for ZipRecruiter. So spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hey, listen, men's health is important. Men act all cocky and like they don't need anything. But the reality is, as you get older, there's some things you need. And it often feels like we're too busy to take care of our health problems. Like I'd rather do anything then go to the doctor or the dentist or the pharmacy or whatever. But now you don't have to waste your time if you use HIMS. HIMS, H-I-M-S, HIMS is changing men's healthcare by providing simple and convenient access to science-backed treatments for erectile dysfunction, hair loss, weight loss, and more. The entire process is 100% online, so you get a new routine of improving your overall health faster. Jay, you listening to all this? Yes, I definitely gonna use him from now. Not on. that you need it. You're you're young and healthy, James. I'm thirty five. You, you're getting there. You might you might need it. Who knows? But if prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and indiscreet packaging. No insurance is needed. You can manage your plan on the Hims app, track progress, and learn more about your conditions and how to treat them from leading medical experts. Start your free online visit today at Hims dot com slash James. 
Could you imagine that? There's a whole section just with my name on it. Hymns.com slash James. That's how I how much I am representative of the kind of person who needs hymns. That's HIMS.com slash James for your personalized treatment options. Hymns.com slash James. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See hymns.com slash James for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. Oh, hey, Bobby, I think we lost you. So just start with fear of the unknown. Okay. Yeah, so most people have a lot of fear of the unknown, right? They get in this zone, right? You go to college, you get out of school, you get a job, you you know, and you kind of follow that, the Joneses path, right? You get a job, you're making good money, you go get a house with a mortgage, cars with a car payment, and they don't they don't have this understanding that, Hey, maybe I can do this. Like it's not even, it just looks like something cool that they see on the internet or some, some cool picture on Instagram or something. And a lot of times it's, you know, who we associate with. Right. I'm, I'm sure James, you're, you've, you've heard the, you are the, you know, the average of your five closest friends you associate with, right? Like, and that generally goes your income level, your, your net worth, you know, your religious views, your political views, your hobbies, so on and so forth. You spend time with the people that are most closely, you know, in, in agreement with your views. And so when you see or hear about some guy who has done all these crazy things, who lives in, uh, Southeast Asia, you know, different countries, two months at a time, you think, Oh, that sounds nice. I would never be able to do that because I have a mortgage and car payments, you know, and that sort of thing. So I think it's really just a lot of times fear of the unknown. And, you know, sometimes of course, it's just not, it's just not what people want. Like I've got a good friend of mine that lives in Scottsdale, Arizona, uh, his name is Steve. He owns a golf course there and a bunch of apartment complexes. And he's a very successful businessman, brilliant guy. But he doesn't even like to go to Vegas or California. Like for him to to get outside of a 10-mile radius from his house is like beyond the scope of what he wants to do in his life. So, right. so it, it depends on the person. But that's a really great point, though, about being the average of the five people around you because let's say you're you, – develop this traveling or digital nomad lifestyle, you're going to also learn the skills from the people around you if you associate with the right people. Like, for instance, in your in the course of your travels, how do you see people make the transition from making a living at a job in the U.S. to kind of, you know, taking their skills overseas and making a living? Like, how do they do it? What do you see people do to, to earn that 25000 or 50000 a year, whatever they need to, to make? Yeah, I, I see... I have a ton of clients that are digital nomads now. They're they're actually my biggest client base at this point for what I do. So I talk to a ton of these nomad guys every day. And I've seen all range of things. Like I have uh, one client who she just quit her job. She had a good paying job, saved up some money over a few years. 
and quit her job and said, look, I'm going to give it a shot for six months and see how it goes. Well, during the, the six months, she started doing some freelance work and she's good at this and good at that. And what type, and what sudden, type of freelance, what type of freelance work? Like what were, what were her inroads? Um, uh, graphic design, website design, helping people set up their WordPress sites, stuff like that. It's not big money, but like we said, the equivalent, if you're living in some low, like Hungary or Portugal or Colombia or Vietnam or something, you can make 20, 25 grand a year and have the equivalent of a hundred thousand dollar us source income. And so you go help somebody build one WordPress site for a few hours and you charge them six, seven, 800 bucks. I mean, that's two weeks worth of lifestyle income. Right. <laughs> right. And, and also I should mention like specifically WordPress setups and things like that. You could learn that at, there's a hundred different websites. You could learn that for free over the course of, let's say a few weeks or a month. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's the U, Udemy, U-D-E-M-Y. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Yeah. Udemy. Yeah. Udemy, Sorry, Co Code Academy, Linda. Yeah. I think even Khan Academy has uh, some free courses on um, website design and WordPress sites. Yes. I'm pretty sure Khan Academy, my oldest son does Khan Academy courses sometimes, but you know, I mean, it, it's not that hard. Like this person does, uh, you know, some graphic design work, some website design. And I think what'll happen is she'll eventually find some product niche or some service niche and build a business out of it. For, but for now she's just doing freelance stuff. What are, what are other things you, know? you see people do? Amazon selling products on Amazon. Um, that is the biggest thing I see right now. Um, people just building Amazon businesses are building, let's call it, I, I say Amazon businesses. They're not, they're e-commerce, but Amazon's the biggest platform in the world for e-commerce right now. So, well, you know, I, I say it's like you, you can't avoid, if you're selling a product online, avoiding Amazon is kind of like selling, selling your product from a yard sale in your front yard when the biggest, you know, the biggest, uh, flea market in the world is across the street. You just don't avoid the biggest marketplace. What, what's, an so. what's an example of, uh, of what somebody sells on Amazon? What do they sell there? Um, I've got one client who's selling um, these uh, glassware, uh, like wine glasses, beer mugs. These He has them custom designed and then he has them manufactured in China, sells them on Amazon. He's, I haven't talked to him in a few months, but last time I checked, he was grossing gross revenue around 80 grand a month, um, netting about 30% of that. Um, I've got another friend and who just how, sells how does vitamins. He, how does he, how does he advertise the glassware on Amazon? Like how do people know to find him? He just, he puts the product on Amazon and Amazon has a pay per click, um, like a just like Google pay per click, but in Amazon you can have pay per click ads within the Amazon platform mm -hmm. where you pay for higher placement on certain keywords. Mm -hmm. So if in his case he's selling, let's say wine glasses, for example, he might pay he might pay an ad budget to uh, get the wine glasses keyword on Amazon when people search search there. Mm. Okay, and it, it's it's also SEO. You know you have you have uh, you have to use SEO keyword keyword heavy uh, in in your 
in your advertisements and that sort of thing. And it's, it's like building any other business. You know, you have to find your products. You have to sell a good product. You have to provide a good service. You have to reach the target audience. People like I've, I got a friend of mine who, um, sells, uh, ghillie suits. I don't even, you know what a ghillie suit is? No. You ever seen these suits like people go play paintball in and they have the string, the camouflage suits, with the strings hanging off? Oh, of them? yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's like a military application, but now people use it for paintball and hunting and everything. He sells ghillie suits. Years ago, he had e commerce sites selling these ghillie suits online, but now six, seven, I think 70, 75% of his uh, sales come from Amazon. But he, but he manages his client base. You know, he's been doing this for a few years. He has his his list of clients. Um, he has e-commerce sites that are, you know, normal e-commerce sites. But most people buy on Amazon now. Seventy-five percent of his audience goes to Amazon. Just like building any other business, you just have to you have to get your product in front of the right audience. You have a business. You're just using Amazon as your as your as your platform. But most people I know that sell on Amazon are on multiple platforms. They have a Shopify site, you know. They have an Amazon site. They're, you know, maybe they're selling on Walmart.com. Uh, but you think selling. you think living the the mobile lifestyle is what kind of encourages them? Hey, I can build products cheaper here and then sell them in the U.S. on like Amazon. Well, I mean, I have one friend of mine who sells supplements online. Um, his, he actually has all of his supplements, uh, made in the U S he's not, he's not having them done in China. I mean, he, he wanted a, a higher level of quality control on the, the ingredients and everything. So he, he actually has uh, private labeled his products from a U.S. manufacturer. I would so, think that's a very I, I competitive, uh, I would think that's a very competitive area. Like it seems like everybody would sell. So, so he probably did a lot for, for advertising. I, I'm telling you, he he only started the supplement business less than two years ago, and he's doing close to a hundred grand a month. Wow! And what's he what's he netting? About thirty five percent. Wow! So that's that's great. And what do, what do his supplements do? Like what what kind of how did he design his vitamins? Uh, he's he has all kinds of crazy ones, like uh, you know, feminine hygiene supplements. Let's say. Um, some are for he doesn't have it's not like just vitamin it's not just like multivitamins they're all very specific ones you know you've got some i mean like his one of his biggest sellers is a yeast infection product so <laughs> that's interesting so so and how, how, what do you think his initial this is i know this is a little off track but what do you think his initial outlay was to get this before he was like netting that kind of money before he was netting anything Oh, he, he, I, I know exactly what it was. He's, he's a good, he's a good friend of mine and a client too. him. He made money in his first month. I mean, he was make, he, his net profit in his first month was already a couple of thousand dollars. Wow. So, so it's interesting. So there's many things basically people can do in this mobile uh, sort of nomadic world that we live in now because of all these different platforms, whether it's Amazon or Airbnb or you know, whatever. And, uh, uh, you know, there's, there's essentially all the, ex what other excuse have you heard for people not doing this? I mean, I guess my excuse would be my kids because I'm divorced and my kids live with their mom 
And so I need to mm-hmm. see them every couple, you know, as much as possible. And it would be hard for me to, to travel all around, I think. Well, you you and I are in the same situation. I I see my kids uh, every month. Right. So and you and you do that in Latvia. No. My my kids live in, in North Carolina with their mom. Okay, because they, they younger moved, ones. I see, because they the youngest moved back. Yeah. They they live in North Carolina with their mom. I see my kids every every month. And um, so- generally what I, what generally what I do is I will come like uh, like my next trip. I'll go the last week of February and the first week of March. I'll I'll see my kids in February. The last week of February I'll have them, and the first week of March I'll have them. We do all kinds of stuff, you know. I, I mean, we do the normal stuff too. I take them to school, and we do all that normal stuff. But you know, then we do we do all kinds of stuff together. I work from wherever I'm sitting with my laptop and my phone. Um, but usually I tie that into other trips. Like, like right now I'm in the U S I'm heading back in a few days, back to Latvia. I'll be in Latvia for a couple weeks. Uh, then I'm going to Tbilisi, Georgia for a couple weeks. What are you doing there? Then I got, a, uh, I got some, uh, looking at some business stuff. I've got a, a lawyer that I do some work with there. So I've got some meetings. Okay. That looking sounds, at some that sounds, real estate projects, stuff like that. What do you mean you have like a, a lawyer in Georgia you're looking at some stuff with? That sounds almost like KGB ish. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so Georgia is a really good uh, market for investment right now because it's um, real estate prices are very cheap. Like you can buy. Uh, in Tbilisi, the capital city, Tbilisi, you can buy apartments in the center city for, you know, like you're looking at $800 per square meter, which is ridiculously cheap. So I'm going to look at some properties. You know, I have a lot of clients that always look for investing opportunities. Um, And I have found in my experience, a lot of times, if you find the right lawyer to connect to in that area, they can open up doors for other things. Like what? Um, I'm generally investment opportunities and connections with partners hmm. uh, for uh, different business opportunities. Um, like we're looking, I've got a couple of clients that are actually going with me. One of them is looking to uh, do some import export business of some uh, Georgian food products. So we're going to meet with some suppliers. That's one of the things we're doing. Uh, we're looking at real estate. There's a, a resort project that's being built there. Uh, you can go in as an investor. And then the other thing is, is this is a topic we haven't really hit on, but there's an opportunity in Georgia for uh, people that are going there to invest some money there to become permanent residents and citizens of Georgia, and then they can get a second passport there. So that's part of the reason we're going there as well. And why do they want to do that? Why would you want to get, well, if you're a nomad, for example, now, now we're getting back into the, the foreign earned income exclusion, but to qualify for as a, as a nomad, let's say you want to live as an expat or a nomad and you want to qualify for the foreign earned income exclusion. There's two ways to do it. One you need to be physically out of the U.S. 330 days in a 12-month period. The other way to qualify, though, is if you become a bona fide resident in that country. You actually become a legal resident in that country, and you have some connection to that country. You can become a bona fide resident in that country, and then 
let's say you're an American and you get residency in Georgia and you you are now qualified under the foreign earned income exclusion as a bona fide resident, you can actually physically be in the U.S. about 120 days a year. Hmm. So it, it actually allows you more flexibility in traveling back to the U.S. on a on a time basis, if that makes sense. So you're a legal resident in, in Georgia. When I say legal resident, you, you're claiming that as your tax home. And then – the good thing, Georgia doesn't tax your foreign income. So if you don't earn any income in Georgia, you don't pay any tax there, but you still get the tax benefit of being you know, an expat or a nomad American with the foreign earned income exclusion. So so Bobby, that makes sense? Yes, it totally makes sense. And and Bobby, there's it sounds like obviously you're incredibly savvy with, with all the details and all these different countries and all these different rules and regulations and how to make money in these different places. How do people find you on the internet if they want to get in touch with you? I mean, the easiest way to, to reach us is uh, through our website, globalwealthprotection.com. That's our main, our main website. We've got a few other like specific product pages, but that's our main site. That's where all our articles are. That's where our blog is. If you want to subscribe to our new, our free newsletter, that's where you would do that. So globalwealthprotection.com. There's a contact form on there that'll that'll reach me. All right. Well, well, Bobby Casey, this has been fascinating. You've really, uh, you know, we people might not know this, but we had a little audio glitch in the middle, and we had to take a a, a break for a few seconds. And the audio engineer, I, I, he's almost ready to pack and uh, go on the road now after hearing you talk. <laughs> Well, I tell you, there's a lot. There's a lot of good places to go. I've, I've, I have a lot of my uh, entrepreneurial friends who I've, I've pushed over the edge to take the leap. And uh, you know, I had a really good friend of mine a couple of years ago. I sat with him by his pool, and he was telling me. He said, "You know, you finally convinced me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go travel a bit and experience, you know, some different parts of the world. I've never left the U.S., but I'm gonna give it a shot." I said, yeah, what are you going to do? He said, I'm going to go live in Thailand for a month, and then I'm going to go live in Bali for a month. I said, okay, what are you going to do after that? And he said, well, I'm, I'm just going to move, move back here. He was in Arizona at the time. I said, he said, I'm just going to move back here. I said, oh, yeah? He goes, yeah, I'll, Bali for a month, Thailand for a month, I'll move back here. I said, no, you won't. He goes, yeah, yeah, no, I will. I said, I'll bet you money right now that you will never move back to Arizona. It's been two years. He hasn't even been back to visit yet. Oh my gosh! Where is he right now? Uh, I just talked to him this morning. He's in Vietnam. Oh my god! All right, well, and he's he's going to be in Latvia in a week. He's going to come visit me for when I get back. He's going to come stay with me for a week or two. And how's he making a living uh, abroad? Amazon. Interesting. What's he selling? Uh, he he. Well, he did have a a pet product he was selling. Um, he actually sold that business. Um, cashed out a little bit of money and, you know, now he is selling like, I don't know exactly which product, but it's like man, I call it man products. You know, they're like shaving stuff and, you know, things for that men buy. He has like a man store, let's call it, but he has a bunch of products on there now. All right. Well, Bobby, uh, Bobby Casey, globalwealthprotection.com. Thanks so much for sharing all this expertise and uh, getting me thinking about it as well. So I really appreciate you coming on the show. 
Yep, sure. No worries. I, I will I will make one plug. You can cut this out if you want, but um, I had sent that uh, report over to you guys. How to go off the grid without leaving your couch might be interested for your audience that have access to that. And I am gonna I'm gonna do a follow up report that adds the uh, the offshore component, so we can get that out here yeah. in the next week or two if you want. That'll be great. Uh, uh, no, it's okay. I'm a, sorry, sorry, Bobby. Um, no worries. Yeah, no, that sounds good. Uh, I will. Uh, I'll make the email intro again. You know, I'll do the reintro to the editor, and we'll we'll get that all hooked up. Yeah, perfect. And I think I, what I might do is I might actually even um, package this tightly with that, and then re-release it later as well. So get the most possible uh, interest. So, all yeah. right. Well, th- thanks, Bobby. And uh, and stop by next time you're in New York. Let me know, and uh, we'll we'll try to get together again. Yeah, we'll do. I'm I'm usually in New York at least every couple of months. Usually, one of my flights at some point ends up going through New York for a couple of days anyway. So okay, great. Well, well, let me know when you're in town. We'll get together. Yep. Plus, my girlfriend is bugging me to go spend a few days in New York. So at some point, I'm going to have to do that. Yeah. Well, she <laughs> New York is a great city. So once it's warm here, it's a good idea. Yep. Right on. We'll do. Okay. I'll be in touch. Thanks, Bobby. Talk to you soon. Bye. All right, James. Take care. Cheers. For more from James, check out the James Altucher Show on the Choose Yourself Network at jamesaltucher.com and get yourself on the free insiders list today. Listen, I have a big favor to ask you, and it will only take 30 seconds or less. If you like this podcast, please let me know. Please let the team I work with know. Please let my guests know. And you can do this easily by going to either iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you download podcasts and subscribe. It'll probably be the biggest favor you could do for me right now, and it's really simple. For instance, go to iTunes, search for The James Altucher Show, and click subscribe. Like I said, it will take 30 seconds or less, and if you subscribe now, it will help me a huge amount. Thanks. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.